Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. All right, all right. How many of you know that God sometimes will speak a promise over us, but sometimes it takes time to see it come to pass? But the word of the Lord will always stand firm. You know, there's nothing spoken or that has been spoken. You know, there were, there was words over my life that I thought the guy missed it. So there's no way this guy doesn't know me. It's not going to come to pass. And if I would have known then what I know now, we see the handiwork of God all through the fabric of our lives from the beginning and the end. Um, so this morning, we are going to start a three-week series of Living Like a Giver, and we're going to look at some dynamics of what that looks like in our lives, what that looks like in practice. Um, we did launch Kingdom Builders Ministries last Sunday, and uh, looking forward to taking up an offering as the Lord leads us that first December, the first weekend in December. But this morning, uh, we're going to look at three areas, but this morning we're going to look at the first one of three, but we're going to look at the motive, the method, and the mission. So the motive is going to be focused around the question, why and how should I give? Okay, because it's important that our motives in giving represent that which pleases God. Um, Then we're going to look at the method, and that is simply how to manage money well. How many of you could use some help with that, managing money well? I think we should become better, better money managers as time progresses. Hopefully, the older we get, the more money we got to to play with or to manage well. Um, I know kind of at the early fronts of the game, it's not always like that. But the, the principles of managing money are consistent regardless of the season of life that we're in. And then we're going to look at the mission, and that's answering the question, what do I want my finances to accomplish? You know, it, it was really simple as I was praying about it. I really believe the Lord wants to ask you, what do you want your money to do? We just never really think about that. Um, we just try to survive maybe paycheck to paycheck, or we just try to get through. So... Starting jumping in this morning to the motive. So the motive is the reason for doing something. We can have good motives. We can have bad motives. I remember growing up uh, at home, uh, how many of you always had chores that you were required to do, right? Uh, Mama would give you the instructions, would tell you what to do. And I knew that I would have to do what I was instructed to do uh, during the week so I could do what I wanted to do during the weekend. So there are times that I have to do what I don't want to do so I can get the results of what I do want to do. Now, I wish I could say that I was that child that always got it done and wasn't, didn't need to be told, but that would be a lie. There was a lot of times where my mother would say, hey, clean your room, take care of your stuff, make sure that everything's cleaned up. Um, how many of you in the room have ever asked your t- child to do something that was not in their job scope, and they answered the, with the response of saying, well, what's in it for me? Now, every parent knows you get to keep living in my house is the response to that, because it, it doesn't matter what I ask you to do, you're to follow the instructions. But we know when we have that motive of saying, what's in it for me, what can I get out of it, or there is an agenda, that is often tied to a motive. A motive to do, get away, and I was one of those, those children, I tried to 
do as little as possible with the best results, right? I didn't try to go above and beyond, and maybe I have uh, reaped that or sowed that in my life, and I'm reaping that in my children's life because as I look at their rooms and I uh, ask my kids, is the room clean? Yes, Dad. And I'll go in there, and every trick that I've ever done, slide it under, throw it in, cram it in, and the appearance of, right? So, a lot of times, there, there is a motive that has to be looked at. But motive determines the heart behind what we do or don't do. How many of you have ever been blessed by your children, and you, when, they ask you to, when you ask them to do something, they say, yes, sir, uh, yes, ma'am, and they immediately do it, not out of being frustrated, but they have the right heart. Like, that's what we want in the realm of finances. When we talk about the motive, we want to do what God expects of us with the right heart. We don't want to be frustrated or feel like we have to or we're obligated to or like God's going to look down and he's always scoring us, but he does guide us. He gives us, gives us instruction of what we're to do, what we're not to do, how we're supposed to do it. But we have to realize that what we do or don't do will get the results that we're getting. Right? If you don't like the results that you're, that you're getting right now, you need to change something you're doing right now to change the results. A lot of us do the same thing over and over and over expecting different results, but we keep getting the same results because we keep putting in the same variables. So the motive, sometimes we'll do what is right, but our heart has the wrong motive. Motive has to do with deciding in your heart what you will do or what you will refuse to do. Matthew 6, 21, it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So another way to say that is everywhere that your treasure is, there your desires of your heart will also be. So we can say your treasures equal your heart. Those things that you value equal your treasures, right? Those things, it's those things that we give value to. So each of us has a motive for giving, even if you don't realize if you have a motive or not. I think we're all driven by some kind of motive. So the battle for money is to give willingly, not out of obligation. Money is a test from God that will determine our confidence and trust in him. Money is one of those things, those tangible things that, that reflect our trust in God. There's a lot of times we can pray, maybe a shallow prayer, or we can just go through the motions, or we can bring our Bible to church and feel like we're a little bit more religious. But let me tell you what, giving is one of those sacrificial practices that really cost you something. Right? Because if we give that money to the Lord, how many of you know that it feels like I no longer have control of that and I'm left with less of the pie? Right? I think in our mind, that's how we think. I give it to the Lord, okay, I don't have it anymore, so what do I do with the remaining part of the pie? Now, we're going to look at next week, you know, a little bit of how God really, when we manage our money well, has a way of multiplying the rest of the pie, and when we focus on the, the big part of the pie rather than just the little sliver that we're giving to the Lord, we can really be a lot more successful uh, in, in how we manage money well. So today I give not because I, I want to or I have to, but it's a privilege to give to the Lord is, is the place that I've come to. So this is the story that I tell my children. You know, when I was younger, I wasn't always good. I wasn't always obedient. I was selfish and I did a lot of things that didn't please God. And I think most of us, that would be our story. But one day I found out what Jesus did for me and that he gave everything to me and he didn't withhold anything back. 
And so then I decided that why can't I give God everything? Why can't I give God what he expects of me, which I'm referencing the tithe. And I tell my children, I give because Jesus gave. I give the tithe and the, the longer I'm alive, I actually realize that everything is God's. Even you, son and daughter. That we realize that everything we have that we're to be a steward of and that our heart motive and our heart has to be right so that our, that our actions and our responses get the results that God wants them to get. You realize God wants us blessed. He wants to take care of our needs, but there's a condition that has to be met, right? You can't just benefit without implementing the principles. So I want to give us three things to remember real quick as we go through this whole series for the next three weeks. That first and foremost, the tithe is an act of obedience. It's commanded, it's instructed. The tithe is an act of obedience. But an offering is an act of generosity. It's above and beyond the 10% that God asks us to give. There's no percentage tied to our offerings, but it is something that, 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 is, that is responsive of a generous heart. And then a kingdom builder is one who gives generously to impact a kingdom, uh, a kingdom initiative. So a kingdom builder. We're going to look at two uh, groups of passages this morning, and then we're going to break them down uh, to kind of help you apply some of these principles. So 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11, and then we're going to look at Mark 12, 41 through 44. So starting um, chapter 9, verse 6. Now, remember, as I read this, this is the Bible. This is not an opinion. This is not what I think. This isn't what you think. This is an instruction, instruction given straight from Scripture, Okay. So starting in verse 6, it says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need will be able, will, so that you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they had freely scattered their gift to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, this, that was referring to Malachi 3.10 when they brought the, the money into the storehouse and they scattered their seed. They were able to meet the needs of the poor. In verse 10, it says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase the store of your seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So giving activates our trust in God. It allows him to provide more than enough. Let's look at this other passage, Mark 12, 41 through 44. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting in their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of the, her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. 
So when we look at this passage real quick before we break it down, there's this first part in 2 Corinthians 9 where it says, remember this, what you sow is what you're going to reap and, you know, give what you've decided, not under compulsion, but, but uh, at a, out of a cheerful heart. But then it says, and God is able. So realize these things are working together. It's not a, a, a statement that says, it, you know, this is going this way, this way is going this way, and ties the two phrases together. So when we do this first part, it begins to unravel that God is able to bless you. But there is a condition that has to be made. So let's start breaking down that passage. In what I want to say is that, man, motive, motive, motive matters every time when we're giving. So I've never seen God displeased with giving unless we're giving with the wrong motives or we're being disobedient. Now we can look at Cain and Abel in the Bible that, you know, Cain and Abel both brought an offering, but one was accepted and was, one was declined. Now we know that Abel said he brought the first of his, uh, of his livestock it, immediately. There was no procrastinating, there was no waiting, and he brought the, brought the best. And then it says, over the course of time, Cain also brought some of his produce. And do you realize God said in that moment, he says, if you would have done what was right. Well, let me tell you what, God never holds you to a standard that you don't know about. They understood what the instruction was, but yet one kind of lollygagged and didn't make it, make it seem like a big deal. One made it a very big deal and brought the best and he brought it first. And then was accepted and was blessed. So the only time that I've seen God frustrated about giving is when the motive is wrong or the instruction is not followed like it was given. Um, but the, but the, right, the right motive is what pleases God. It's not being boastful. It's not being arrogant. It's not saying, hey, look at me. And we're going to unravel, you know, the little bit of the story about the, the rich person that gave a lot and, 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 the, and the widow woman that just gave two copper coins. But God looks at the motive. He looks at the heart. So we're going to break these down. And I'm going to call this the motive test. And I want you to ask yourself each of these questions as we kind of go through this and say, Lord, is this how I'm like? Is this what I believe? Is this what I support or do I not? So the first question we have to ask ourselves to test our motive is, should you live like a giver and give? If I were to just stop right there, you, now, that's a yay or nay response. Like it's, it's not really complicated. You can justify why you think you should. You can justify maybe why you think you shouldn't. But let's use scripture to, to kind of build the fabric for what we're going to talk about. Now it starts in that first passage in Corinthians. It says, each of you should give. What does that mean? To not give or should give? Okay, so he talks about that you should give, and then he begins to map out what is the standard. He says, each of you should give, implying that each of us should give, but there's two ways to give. As we begin to unravel this passage, it says, one can give generously, one can give sparingly. And as we look at this passage, we, uh, we have an understanding that those who, who gave generously would also reap how? Generously. And those that would reap sparingly would also reap Sparingly. So it was equal to what you gave. Now, let me bounce that other story real quick. If we look at how much was given, how many of you know the rich person gave a lot more than the poor woman? So it's not always apples with apples. God doesn't always look at necessarily the amount. What does he look at? The heart. 
and the motive, the reason for you gave. And we know that lady was radical because she gave the last little bit she had to live on. But there's two ways to give. We can give generously. We can give sparingly. Um, it, but you will always reap in proportion to what you sow. And it says, what you have decided in your hearts to give. So we have to give intentionally. You know, I joked a little bit about, about it last week. I've never accidentally given. Right, unless my kids took money out of my wallet and said, Dad, look, I gave your offering or something like that, right? Um, we have to give on purpose. We have to be intentional when we give. It's not just going to happen. Good intentions will not give, right? I have a lot of people that have good expectations but poor execution, right? We need to actively give. I want to also challenge you, uh, don't feel guilty. Don't feel judged. Don't, don't just give because your spouse says give, I see that sometimes in the home. It's like the home's divided. It's like, well, I'm going to give because you're making me give, but I don't really want to give. I hope God blesses it. Well, you're lucky your spouse is giving on your behalf because God will bless that. Now, I'll tell you what, it's better for that house to come in order and be on the same page in your giving principles. We'll look at that next week, being in the, having the same bank account, having all your money together, both of you collectively as a, a marriage unit deciding what your financial goals are. But don't be persuaded just by your spouse, but really pray about it. Look at what scripture says and then ask the question, why do I feel like I should not give and not be a giver? Because we can reverse that question. But the question for you is, should I live like a giver and give? We know that the scripture instructs us to give. How much you give is up to you. The motive in which you give is up to you. But we have to give in obedience to the leading of your heart. And your motive and your heart are very closely knit together. Don't just give because your spouse said so. But also it says, have a cheerful attitude when you give. Right? So if you're giving because you have to, you think you'll have a good attitude? Because mama said, right? Because daddy said, because my wife made me, right? It's going to be really hard to give when, when it's forced, right? So we want the heart to respond correctly. It says a cheerful attitude in your giving. So if God asks us to be a cheerful giver, have you ever thought about asking God to help you become a cheerful giver? Because there are times that I don't want to give and that I want what I want and, and I'd rather do other stuff with my money. I entertained that thought from the devil for about this long in regards to the tithe that is God's, right? Because it's God's. Remember, the tithe is an act of obedience, but an offering is an act of generosity. So we have to understand that that giving principle that God is talking about, we got to make sure we give God what's his. Um, but ask God to change your heart. You say, Lord, I, man, I just don't know why I keep getting hung up with this giving thing. Ask him to deal with you. Ask him to deal with your heart. Because I'll tell you what, it's so much easier and so much more enjoyable. And you can actually be cheerful if God deals with your heart first. Right? So it's better to, and how many of you know that that fixes a lot of things in our marriages? If we would deal with our heart first, how many of you know it fixes a lot of the conflict? Right? But we want them to change. We don't want to change. And, and the war goes, right? 
So ask God to deal with your heart and then act in obedience to what his word says. And then we see our motive uh, and, and our attitude working together, that we have the right motive because we want to give and we give in a way that's cheerful and excited to give. Um, so if, if we look at that word cheerful and we look at the opposite, the opposite is sad, unhappy, and unwilling. That's the opposite of cheerful, right? I always joke about if you're sad walking up to give your offering, going walking up to the offering bucket or on your way out, kind of just slapping it in there, man, get your heart right. Like, I'd rather God deal with your heart because guess what? I know when God deals with our heart, you know what it fixes also? It fixes our money problem. But till our heart changes, it's hard to let loose of that money sometimes. It's one of those, it's, it's really one of those things that really is a test from God. So the motive test, should I live like a giver and give? I hope you've dri driven the conclusion that the answer to that is yes, but that's between you and the Lord. You have to answer that question for yourself. Number two, should you believe God is a more than able God? So when we look at that passage, it says, here's how you're to give um, cheerfully, all of these things. And then it says, God is able but it is conditional on that first part. You have to have A plus B to equal C. You take out one of those variables, all of a sudden you don't get C, okay? That you have to have both of those working together, but they're, they're intended to work together. But it says in that passage that he will bless you abundantly. Do you know what abundant blessing looks like? It looks like large quantities, plentiful. There's an ample supply of financial resources, says that he will also provide all that you have need of. Now, notice the word says need, not want. A lot of times I think we expect God to meet our wants, not our needs. And then we get frustrated when we feel like our wants are not being met. He says, I will meet all your needs, right? So we want God to give what I want, not give what I need. But I can tell you what, God will take care of your needs, if you stay obedient to what he instructs you to do. Now, there's another side of the coin that I've seen God care about my needs and my wants when I focus on giving like he expects me to give and I do it cheerfully. And then I move into that realm of, it's not just the 10%, but it's all of it. And I see that everything, all of my increase is from the Lord. If I couldn't work and he didn't give me the ability to work or the job that I have, I wouldn't have anything. So I start giving God a whole lot more credit for everything. And then it, then it causes, you know, just this excitement. And I believe that it really expedites the process of multiplication in our hands when we give on purpose, when we give with a good heart. But we see that abundant blessing. But I do believe that this abundant blessing is for sure in what we need. But I can testify that I've also seen God bless me with some wants also. I was talking to my son uh, yesterday about every single time there's something I really want. Like I'm talking like almost dangerously want, like to the point of like, I either need to buy this or God just needs to change that. Uh, I always, I'm a pawn shopper. I love shopping at pawn shops. It's like God's favor. Every time I show up, what I'm looking for, I find. <laughs> Teach their own. Like you might say, hey, well, you go to Target, you go to Walmart, wherever you go to find whatever you're looking for. But it's funny because the things that I can't get over I see God just show up and guess what? Most of the time I'm getting it way less than I should be getting it for. So I see that as a blessing. And guess what? Most of the time it's as good shape. It's in as good of shape 
as brand new. There was, a, there was a story I was telling my son about a guitar strap. When I was younger, man, I was so frustrated with my dad because he told me no. God ever told you no about something and you got mad about it? Right? He told me no about this guitar strap. It was, and I look at it now, it's really dumb and it looked kind of dumb and it wasn't that cool. But I really, really wanted it. It had these geckos on it and it had this padded strap. I thought it was really cool. He told me no. Two days later... Showed up at the pawn shop, the exact same strap, something that I was going to pay $30 for. I got it for two bucks. So not saying that always works and don't be trying to find faith at the pawn shop for what you want. But I have seen God prove faithful with those things that I really want. And if those things, if you can't shake those things, guys, of these wants, ask God to either give it to you or to let it loose in your life. Because those are either not his desires, but he began to teach me those little funny principles with small things. Because he says, son, I'll take care of the needs, but I will also abundantly bless you with those wants. If you will be a good steward of the financial provision that I've given you. But this only begins to happen, ladies and gentlemen, when we see everything as God's. Not just the little 10% tithe that's obedience. And Lord, here's yours. All the rest is mine. Because when we get into the mind, mind realm, it goes back to selfishness versus just being a good steward of everything. But I'll tell you what. If God can help me give the 10, he can help me manage the 90. Because I need help managing that 90. Because that's what falls short at the end of the month. That's what doesn't stretch out far enough. But we need to allow God to show us what those look like. But I believe this is tapping in to that, uh, that abundant blessing. Um, but I believe that he guarantees to take care of our needs. But I believe he overly blesses us with our wants. Now it says seed to sow and food to eat. So this is increasing the amounts of storage, pay, uh, storage space of your seed. So this is, the, this is the situation that every homeowner runs into when they need to buy a new shed. I'm talking about you accumulated so much stuff, you don't have any more room to put it. And that's what it talks about. It says your barns will not be able to contain it. You will actually have to get another storage location shed type thing to be able to store all of your increase. But it says that he'll provide seed to the sower, but also food to eat. He enlarges the harvest of your own righteousness. Hosea 10, 12, it says, um, I say, plant the good seed of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts for now is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. God wants to deal with your heart this morning. If you're having money issues, it's really not about the money. It's about your heart. Let, let, me, let me pause here. If this is your first time here, we are in a money finance series. I will preach about money for the next two weeks after this with everything I got. Because I believe that if you get a hold of this, it will radically change and enhance your life. Amen. These are principles that will help you. They might hurt initially because it's a heart issue. But if you allow God to deal with the heart, you'll notice that your response will change, okay? Still love me? All right, keep going. I said, man, it was your first Sunday. I love you. Keep coming back. But it says that his righteousness is caused to rain down on us. Keep your heart soft and stay obedient. And then it says, you will be enriched in every way. This is one of my favorite parts of this passage. You will be enriched in every way. I thought I was just talking about financially. Well, when it says every way, 
I'm going to take that as every way. Why does it matter? Glad you asked. The scripture gives us instruction so that you can be what? Generous. How often? On every single occasion. I know there's opportunities to give. It seems like all the time, but it says that so I can be generous on every occasion. I always have the ability to give. And then it says through your generosity, it causes thankfulness to the Lord. So genuine generosity causes others to thank the Lord through your generosity. And do you realize that we can be a generous church because we have generous people in the church? We can't be a generous church if we're a stingy church that doesn't ever want to give or doesn't want to just give, give uh, to the Lord. But we can be a generous church because of generous people. And it allows others to be thankful, maybe for the church, but I hope that it sheds some light on the goodness of favor of God and that it might meet a practical, tangible need, but I pray that it gets to the depths of their heart that they come to the knowledge of Jesus through it. That's why we're generous, and it causes people to be thankful to the Lord. So number one, should I live like a giver and give? Number two, should you believe God that he is a more than able God? Number three, should you trust in worldly riches? Now, this is a challenge because how many of you feel pretty good when you got money in the bank? And on the flip side, you feel pretty rough when you ain't got money in the bank. Oh, Lord, help me. How am I going to make it? Will I be able to pay all my bills? All of a sudden, you start fearing and fretting. But that second passage we looked at, it said rich people threw large amounts in the offering bucket. Now, the problem with the well-off is sometimes they don't feel the need to trust in God because they can trust in their own riches. Now, we have to be very careful when we feel like we are financially well-off or we have extra money in the bank every single week because we can start trusting on our own dependence and our own ability to create income, which, by the way, is a gift from God to be able to provide increase and to work and to be disciplined. You know, when God put man in the garden, he put him to work, right? You got that? We were created to work and therefore produce and create and, and make. But we can get so confident in our own ability that we just lose the need for God. We think, I got it. I don't need God. I can pay for anything I need. And, and the focus becomes on that I can create these worldly riches and therefore provide for myself. Now, these people gave out of their riches. They were giving, but what was the motive? Because I'll tell you what, I've seen many wealthy, well-off people give, and I believe it pleases God to the fullest. I really believe that this passage, there had to be a motive issue. Now, Jesus might have been just comparing the contrast between somebody that was giving generously out of an abundance versus somebody giving out of poverty, giving their last pennies. But I think if I look at this, I've never seen God get mad. Like when I get a big bonus and I give to the Lord and I thank him for it for him to be like, ooh, I'm not, I don't, I'm not pleased with that. I believe it goes back to a motive. What was the motive? Did they arrogantly walk up to the offering box and go like this? Robert, can you open that box? I can't fit all these $100 bills in here. Were they showboating? Were they arrogant? Were they prideful? 
Or maybe the value that they gave was nowhere near what it needed to be. I hear a lot of people all the time say, I give to the Lord. I give to the Lord all the time. Well, I want you to know that God's standard of giving in obedience is what? 10%. That's what the Bible calls the tithe. And anytime that somebody says, I give, I, I always like to challenge them, but how much? Because oftentimes when you just give offerings, it usually falls below the 10%. Well, I don't think I should give 10%. Well, I don't know why God put the 10% in there. I didn't come up with the number. I didn't just say, hey, this looks good. The Bible said it looks good. Now, all I can figure if we want to, you know, kind of play the devil's advocate in that, in that situation is maybe they gave just a smidgen fraction of what they should have. Because when you give with the right heart in obedience to what God asks you to give, he never gets frustrated with you. Right? You know, a thousand bucks to a millionaire is very little. Right? So, so we don't know. There's, there's, not, there's not guidance in that. But we know that as he, as he looked at the comparison of one versus the other, he wasn't satisfied with one of them. But he says the other one has given so much more. So should you trust in worldly riches? You know the answer to that one, hopefully, right? All right, I'll let you decide for yourself. Number four, should you trust in God's provision? Now, when we give out of poverty, I'll tell you what, it is a whole lot more personal. It is a whole lot more stressful. It requires a whole nother level of faith, right? Because if I got one candy bar left to my name and I can either eat it or throw it in the offering bucket, I'll tell you what, sometimes the rational thing to me is to eat that candy bar and then just die on the hill. (laughs) But this lady took all she had left to live on and, and gave it. Now, this was kind of like that last-ditch hope effort to say, Lord, either you're going to come through or I'm going to come see you, right? But it says that she gave, but she gave out of her poverty. Now, I'll tell you what, and, and I don't know what poverty looks like to you. I think poverty for us is still pretty good. Like, we still are usually able to meet our basic needs, and we're like, oh, but that's poverty level. Like, poverty level in the U.S. is a completely different pay scale, it's not the same, right? When we, when we look at what the incomes of other countries, of other, man, I was listening to some statistics. It is crazy how little some people make in the world around us. So if you live in America, you are blessed. Even if you work for minimum wage, I know you're not happy about that. Man, it is so much more than a huge percentage of the world around us. So I don't know what poverty looks like to you, but have you ever given in your poverty? Have you ever given when it didn't look like a good time to give? When you looked at the money and you said, Lord, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't feel like there's enough. But I'll tell you what, it feels a lot more weighty when I give out of poverty rather than when I give out of my abundance of increase. I don't like writing big checks sometimes either. I got to hear God on that because like, Lord Jesus, a little bit of glory on that check, right? You know, or what God is asking me to give. It's hard on both sides, but it's different when you don't have much. But I tell you what, I have seen people with less trust God in a way that those that have plenty of money don't. We have to trust God to be our provision. She gave all she had to live on. There's a passage in Matthew 19, 20 through 24 
Jesus confronts this rich ruler and uh, begins to go through all the commandments. What should I do to inherit salvation? Follow the commandments, do this and this. And he said, all of these I have kept. So really he was looking for an attaboy pat on the back from, from Jesus. But then he goes on to say in Matthew 19, 20, it says, all of these I have kept, the young man said. And then the response is, what do I still lack? And Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Man, this is a scary, scary passage. Because I believe that God wants to bless us to the point of abundant wealth. But it's a very dangerous, slippery slope because we can get to that place of where we are trusting in our possessions and we don't want to let go of those things. Now, notice this passage says, it is hard for someone who is rich. It doesn't say impossible. And that's the kind of pastor I am. I said, Lord, you're telling me there's a chance. So it doesn't matter where you're at this morning. Maybe you feel like you got an abundance of wealth, been saving for a lifetime, you got plenty of retirement, you got a plan, you've seen God provide. The test is the same. Will you trust God for what's in your hands? Maybe you're on the other side this morning. You're like, Pastor, I'm barely making it. I'm that minimum wage guy you're talking about. Like, I'm in poverty. I'm barely making it. The response is the same to you. That we would trust God with what's in our hands. And we would just surrender that to him and trust him in those things. Can you guys stand up with me? It all goes back to motive. What is your trust in? What is your hope in? I pray that the Lord really changes our motive if our motive is not right. That he would deal with our heart if he needs to deal with our heart. Um, how many of you in response would say, everything I have, I trust that it is the Lord's? Come on, be bold about it just for a minute. That everything I have, the breath in my lungs, my home, my house, that everything that I have, I see that as the Lord's. Or should, or like faith, faith hand, whatever you need to do. Like, Lord, I, I need to start seeing it that way. Now, here's my response to you. If that's how we see it, or we hope to see it, it should affect our actions and how we give and what we can do. Um, man, Becky and I have been blessed to be a blessing. We've been, given, we've been given the privilege to give some really cool stuff away. You know, and uh, I always say maybe it's the pawn shops, maybe it's the, the Hispanic side of me that I always have more than one so I can be generous, I don't know. But we've been able to give some really cool stuff away. No strings attached because God said, give it. Now, he's also taking care of us. Um, I will share this with you because I want you to know that it, it, it's increments, right? 
Oh, giving little stuff away, giving guitars away. You're like, good, pastor, you got too many anyway. If you know, I got a lot of guitars. They're all tools. They're all gods. He said, give them all away today. We do it. You know, there was a time in our life that we had uh, three vehicles. You know, we got to give a vehicle away. Got to give a vehicle away. That's like stuff that I remember that I read in books. Now, the only thing that's bigger than that would be my house, but I can't give my house away because I don't have another house and I got a family. But I pray that I would trust God in anything that he asked me to do because I see the perspective of everything I have is God's. From my finances to my health to my children, doesn't matter what it is. And my motive is to please him with everything I have in the financial realm. I see all of it as assets. But if we want to live life like a giver, we have to have the right motive. We have to allow God to deal with our heart. So can we say collectively together that God, would you give us a heart to live life like a giver? Can you close your eyes just for a minute? Make that personal to the Lord. Say, Lord, help me live like a giver. I don't know, I don't know your heart. I don't know your magnitude of your giving or your, your, the principles that you support. But I hope that today there's been something stirred in your heart to want you to give like a giver. Maybe you say, Pastor, God's going to have to multiply it if I'm going to give it. Well, let me tell you what. Be faithful with what you got in your hands, guys. Because when you collaborate and you give God According to your faith, we see increase and increase and increase. And when that increase happens and you have to build another shed in your backyard because you got too much stuff and you can't even contain it, be mindful that all things are God's. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. Father, as we go through the next two weeks of this Live Like a Giver series, Lord, I pray that, uh, Father, we wouldn't just talk about it, but we'd be about it. And Father, we can give because, Jesus, you gave your life for us. So, Father, we willfully choose to give our life in service to you. Father, as we go from this place, Lord, I pray you go with us. Father, that we trust you at your word. And Father, that we would step out in faith and we'd see you do some amazing, amazing things among us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.